Welcome to NGA Notable Lectures, a podcast offering a deeper understanding of all things artistic. In April 2015, widespread protests in Baltimore, Maryland, locally termed the Baltimore Uprising, erupted after an African-American man named Freddie Gray died from injuries he suffered while in police custody. Photographer Devin Allen, a native of Baltimore, immersed himself in the protests and made images of both civil unrest and community solidarity in his home city. The events in Baltimore corresponded to a larger national frustration around civilians being killed by police. Soon, a mere two years after taking to photography, Allen became the third amateur photographer ever to be featured on the cover of Time magazine. At the John Wilmerding Symposium on American Art, American Communities Then and Now, held on February 8, 2019, Allen, a 2018 Gordon Parks Foundation fellow, discussed the ethics of photographing his community and the influence of Parks' work on his own. How you doing? My name is um, Devin Allen. I'm a Baltimore-based photographer, born and raised. So I'm going to tell you a little bit how you know I discovered photography, since I'm a fairly new photographer in a sense. Um, so growing up in Baltimore, I don't know if you ever know much about Baltimore. We're mostly known for being the heroin capital of America. We're known for our murder rate, and we're known for the wire in the corner. <laughs> Um, but Baltimore has a lot more than that. From my background, I found myself, you know, in the streets and more so lost before I found photography. At the age of 16, I was introduced to gun violence and it's been, it's played a big part in my life. Um, I'm 30 years old now and I lost count of how many friends I've lost due to gun violence. I buried six last summer alone. And, um, I was in the streets, I was selling drugs, and then I ended up having a daughter at the age of 19, which which originally, it inspired me to change my life and made me want to seek more, you know? And I found myself working in a cubicle, dying, like this cannot be the rest of my life. And I had a friend who was interested in poetry. And in turn, you know, in Baltimore, art hasn't been a thing for us in the city. It's not really introduced to us. It's not really in the school system. So um, my friend who was a self-taught poet, you know, we started a poetry night and I found myself falling in love with poetry, but I wasn't really too good at it. And I was like, how can I, you know, I want to do art, but I know nothing about it. And I found myself, Instagram and Twitter were coming along and I found myself photographing my friends and photographing the city in the poetry night. And I would take pictures and put them on t-shirts. And that's how I got introduced to photography. And I was using a friend's camera. So 2012, I just started Googling famous black photographers and I couldn't really find anyone. I, and I found Gordon Parks' work. He popped up and he had his hair slicked back. He just looked so smooth. And I told myself in 2012, after looking at his work with Muhammad Ali and uh, just looking at how many spaces he was able to encounter from shooting for Vogue and then go back and turn and do journalism, his, his, his eye was amazing. And I told myself, I wanna, I wanna be just like this guy one day. And I remember 2013 in January going to Best Buy to get my first camera. And I just was like, let me get the lens, let me get the camera bag, let's go wrap it up. I'm ready to start this journey of photography. And I got to the counter and then no one told me how expensive photography was. <laughs> so I, I, did, I did what any other kid would do. I called my grandmother. I said, Grandma, I know you have a Best Buy credit card. Um, you got any space on that? I want to be a photographer. You know, and she believed in me and I charged it up, you know. 
I paid her back for it, you know, later on, but I got my first camera in 2013 and that was how my journey began. And at first it started off as just a hobby, a fun. I found myself just walking around Baltimore doing photo shoots for friends. And I'll never forget February 2013, I buried both my best friends um, in one weekend. One was shot seven times in front of his house. And the only reason why we wasn't together because I was in the house editing my pictures. And I went to visit his mom the next day and I gave her a hug and right after I left to go do a photo shoot, they murdered my other friend, you know, and that was kind of a wake up call for me and it was like, photography is your thing. And I never really understood how important photography was until after the death of Freddie Gray. And by all means, I'm not, I'm still learning the process and I found myself receiving a group text of a video of Freddie Gray being carried, screaming that my leg is broke. And I knew because of the, the energy and the power of my people in Baltimore that we were going to protest. So I found myself just going to protest every single day, every day. And at the time, I went and took a job working with young adults with autism and intellectual disabilities so I could work at night doing home care and then shoot all day. And um, I actually, my, my take on it is, I, I shot a little bit of film, but mostly digital. But I, I love black and white, so I trained my eye by just looking at Gordon Parks' work. And um, so when I went out, I didn't think nothing of it. You know, the camera that I had, I had a little Fuji, and I found myself with a camera with Wi-Fi. So I, I knew because of the history of Baltimore and what we are known for, that the narrative was not gonna come out positive. And I, I had a nice follow on social media, and I was like, I'm gonna use my handle, and I'm gonna dedicate my social media to the, uh, everything that's going on in Baltimore around Freddie Gray. So I found myself shooting in black and white and I would Wi-Fi all the images to my phone so I can upload faster than media. And I just was posting stuff to Twitter and Instagram and then everything started to go viral. And I went to sleep with 10,000 followers and woke up with 20. And I, I called from the BBC and I did my interview and then I just kept documenting. I just wanted to get the narrative out there. And I found myself moving faster than other journalists on the ground they had to go back to their laptops and I was actually turning around the work and I was actually controlling the narrative of my work and got a call from Time Magazine. The funny thing about that is they called me five times and I hung up because they called me from a block number and I thought it was a bill collector. <laughs> so I finally answered and I found myself, you know, sending, sending images over and I'm three years, I'm three years and I'm just an amateur photographer and I find myself sending over my work. I don't know anything about copyrights. I just wanted to get the work out there and I ended up with a full spread in the uh, cover of Time Magazine in 2015. Um, and since then, right after that, with all the national attention that I was able to receive, I was doing interviews for ABC, NBC. I actually became the point person on the ground for Huffington Post. Everyone was calling me, wanting to know what was going on because I am from Baltimore. No one can navigate the streets like I can. And um, I said, you know, you see my photograph, you see a lot of kids. And like being on the ground, we were tear gas, pepper spray. We were basically put into martial law and hit with a curfew. And I found myself on the ground with a lot of kids. And if I was able to control the narrative where ABC, CNN, and all these big platforms were looking to me for content and sending their journalists and their writers to me to, to, to understand more of what was going on on the ground, I only can imagine if these kids had photography in their life, if they just wasn't on the front lines, if they had a camera. So I didn't know how I was gonna do it because I was still learning photography and I started a GoFundMe. And I just say like, look, I need $10,000 cause I need to teach these kids photography. 
I think, you know, photography is not accessible. It's not taught to us in schools. I didn't understand how powerful it is. Now I do, and I need your help. And oddly enough, um, the guy from GoFundMe hit me up and sent me the first thousand dollar check, which was amazing. And then Russell Simmons and Michael Skolnick from um, donated a twenty thousand dollar grant through the way of DeRay from um, Black Lives Matter. And then since then, I've taught workshops in Oakland at Studio Museum of Harlem. I've given out around like three hundred cameras already since. 2015, um, I've done art shows and exhibitions and I teach kids on how to digest their surroundings and regurgitate that through photography. And it's been an amazing journey and I'm I'm still teaching. I just finished up a workshop um, in Oakland with Steph Curry teaching kids in Oakland. Um, I've finished up a program teaching kids with autism and intellectual disabilities you know, just opening the exhibits, you know, and then all enough, I I got a call from Peter from the Foundation of Gordon Parks. Gordon Parks Fellowship in 2017, which I got the house a show. They actually donated to my program, and it's been amazing working with them. Um, this is a, a, a work that I've all produced around 2015, 14, all the way up to 2016. And this is just me trying to change the narrative uh, around the word ghetto. So I came with a book called A Beautiful Ghetto um, because I feel like the ghetto doesn't have a good representation because for me, yes, I had my trials and tribulations, but I find love and so much more things that you see in my community that's not all, often projected to the rest of the world. So a, a lot of this work is doing the uprising post Freddie Gray and before Freddie Gray. And um, the work has been featured in Venice, it, Venice Italy, um, at the Golden Parks Foundation in New York. Um, Baltimore, and I'm still in Baltimore. I'm still on the ground documenting every day. I just opened up a new show um, called Spaces of the Unentitled, which basically talks about gentrification. So um, that's my story, and um, thank you for listening. This has been a National Gallery of Art podcast.